You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. God is the judge of judges. This has to be one of the most sobering truths, and in some ways it's also the least talked about today, and it's that of this coming day when God will judge. God is going to come, and God is going to judge. He has to. He will judge every single one of us in the end. Today, Pastor J.D. speaks about the day of judgment, when God will judge each of us individually and accordingly. That may sound scary because no one likes to be judged. But Pastor J.D. shows us that we can be ready for that day by living our lives for Jesus. Have you been living your life for Him? It's not too late to begin anew today. God's waiting to hear from you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 58 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. He has this dream that he's going to be in this position of power and everyone, including his brothers and his father and mother, which was unthinkable in that culture in that time, would bow down to him. Even his father rebuked him when he shared what God had shown him in this vision. But, Joseph, we have a problem here. I can't put you in that position of power, which, by the way, would end up being the most powerful man in the world next to Pharaoh, until I prepared you. (laughs) So now you're going to have to go through this whole preparation process for 17 years. You're going to have to be prepared for that which I have prepared for you. And so for 17 years he is on the receiving end of everything you could possibly imagine. Betrayal, left for dead by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape by his boss's wife. How's that one? Forgotten when he's in this dungeon, when he interprets this dream. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This was all part of God's preparation, all part of God's plan. He was preparing Joseph to be the most powerful. You just don't put a man in that position without preparing him first. It'll destroy him. He had to prepare him. And that's what God does in our lives, isn't it? God is always all about preparing us for that which He's preparing for us. Maybe you've heard it said that there's no triumph without trouble. There's no testimony without the test. Or as one said, there's no message without the mess. God takes this mess and He's preparing your message. Here's all this trouble, and I'll tell you, trouble's a faithful servant, if I can say it that way. Trouble serves us well, because that trouble is preparing us for the triumph that awaits us. That test, those those times of testing, God is preparing us for that testimony. 
because of it. Ephesians chapter 2, we were just there, completed the book of Ephesians, verse 10. Paul writing says, by the Spirit, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're a work in progress, as one said it. Which God, key word, prepared beforehand that we should walk with Him. In other words, it's that preparation. He's, he's working with us. He's preparing us. And, and that word workmanship is an interesting word in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It's uh, a poema, where we get our word for poem or work of art. We're His masterpiece. We're His workmanship. He's, he's creating us. He's, he's working on us. He's preparing us. In Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, kind of gives us a, a glimpse of what this work in progress is going to look like. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, now to him who is able to do, and I love this, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, that preparation process working in us to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we just talked about this in Philippians. He who is faithful, who started the work, is faithful to finish it, to perfect it. We're a work in progress. He's preparing us. But there is coming a day when he's going to go, ah. And you know what artists do with their masterpieces? They put their name on it. And we're told in the scriptures that we're going to get a new name. I can't wait. I have never liked my name. Wahid Fayez Farag. My poor wife. You know her, her maiden name? It used to be Lynn. Oh, how dainty. Lynn. Here I come along, I, I change her name to Frog. She's never forgiven me. I keep telling her, you know, when Jesus comes, we all get a new name. It's not going to matter. She says, I, I don't care. You still change my, my beautiful maiden name to Frog. It just, it just, anyway, let's move on. Psalm 58. Again, descriptive title to the chief musician set to another song, Do Not Destroy. Apparently these were well-known songs at the time. Another meditation or mithdom of David, verse 1. Do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No. In heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf cobra that stops its ear, which will not heed the voice of charmers, charming ever so skillfully. I kind of like verse 6, you'll forgive me. Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. Don't pray that, by the way. 
Break out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. By the way, this kind of carries with it the idea of if their teeth are broken in their mouth and the fangs are broken out like the young lions, then they're unable to speak wickedness because their teeth are are broken in their mouth. Verse 7, let them flow away as waters which run continually. When he bends his bow, let his arrows be as if cut in pieces. Let them be like a snail which melts away as it goes, like a stillborn child of a woman that they may not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the burning thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, as in his living and burning wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that, verse 11, men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges in the earth. Psalm 58 is a kind of gnarly, for lack of a better word, psalm. It's an interesting psalm for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that it speaks to how God is the judge of judges. This has to be one of the most sobering truths, and in some ways it's also the least talked about today, and it's that of this coming day when God will judge. God is going to come, and God is going to judge. He has to. He will judge every single one of us in the end. And the scriptures are replete with many passages concerning the judgment, the just judgment of God. And again, this is something we've talked about. He has to settle it. Because right now it seems like, especially in the world in which we're living today, that evil continues with impunity, unchecked, unbridled in these last days. And there seems to be no end. I think of in Genesis, when we're told that before God judged the world with the flood, that the inclinations of their mind, the imaginations, they would imagine new evil continually, and it was getting more and more evil. And what's really interesting is Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, so too will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And one need look no further than to what we see taking place in the world today. And you'd be really hard pressed to say honestly, that what we see in the world today does not rival the evil of Noah's day. I would even venture to say, it's more evil today. The evil, unspeakable evil. I think about what Paul said. You you can't even imagine and you can't even utter, it's unspeakable, the evil in the world. And we don't see it necessarily. And even if we did, I don't know that we would believe it. But God sees it. And God's going to judge it. 
Now, if the hair on the back of your head is standing on end, I I want to uh, maybe calm you a little bit, because for the Christian, the judgment of God is very different. See, there's the white throne judgment. That is for the one who is not born again. You don't want to be on that judgment, because that's when everyone is given according to what they've done. There's also another judgment, very different, and it's the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. Think of it this way. You know in the Olympics they have the judges, and the judges reward those who win, the runners in the race, and even Paul referring to the Olympic games of that day, talks about a crown, a perishable crown. They used to give the Olympians not a gold medal, but a a wreath of a crown that, you know, didn't last. And what Paul was comparing it to was that we're going to be rewarded. That's the judgment seat of Christ. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says. The Apostle Paul writing says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, in this life, in this flesh, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whoa, bad? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, you get docked. What does that mean? Oh, it's 1 Corinthians 3. Here's the, here's the imagery. The things done in the flesh... They're going to burn like wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ. But the things that were done for Christ has been said that soon one life will be passed and only that which was done for Christ will last. That same fire that consumes the wood, hay, and stubble will purify and make more valuable the precious jewels, the gold. So that's the judgment. That's what that judgment is going to be for us. I I heard someone say, you know, when I'm there at the judgment seat of Christ and all of the things I did in the flesh is going to burn as wood, hay, and stubble, my pile's going to take a long time (laughs) to burn. Okay. Psalm 59. I'm just saying my pile is going to take a while, okay? And so is yours too, so. Another descriptive title to the psalm, to the chief musician set to, Do Not Destroy Again. It's a mictum of David when Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill him. So let me just kind of give you a quick backstory, very briefly. So remember when David was younger and he's in the palace there with Saul and he's playing the harp to calm Saul down? to calm his nerves. He was demonically tormented. And here's David playing the harp to kind of minister to him and bless him and calm him. And then remember when uh, Saul, very demonically I believe, I mean he's as far away from God right now as you can get, and he, he takes a spear and he throws it at David, 
and misses. Of course he's going to miss, right? Like God's going to let that spear kill him. Now here's David, this probably younger David. And, and this is his king, okay? And he's playing the harp. Listen, I, I can take a hint, okay? When you throw your spear at me and you're, you're trying to kill me, I, I kind of get the impression that you don't like me anymore. <laughs> so he fled and Saul sends his men, oh by the way, Jonathan, Saul's son, this loyal friend that sticks closer than a brother to David, was really used by God to save David's life. So this was written about this time when he flees and realizes that Saul's trying to kill me. And it didn't happen just once, it happened a couple times. Verse 1, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity, and save me from bloodthirsty men. He's referring to Saul's men. For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine. What did I do wrong? In fact, I was doing everything right. Awake to help me, and behold, you therefore, verse 5, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressors. Selah. Wow. Verse 6, it gets worse. At evening they return, they growl like a dog and go all around the city. Indeed, they belch with their mouth. Swords, here it is again, are in their lips, for they say, who hears? Verse 8, but you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the nations in derision. I will wait for you, O you, his strength, for God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. I'm going to realize that God's going to let me see it. God's going to do this to them. He's not going to have any mercy on them. You'll see. And then verse 11, this, this is kind of interesting because he says, Do not slay them, lest my people forget. That would be too kind. Now scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin, verse 12, of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for the cursing and lying which they speak. Consume them in wrath. Consume them that they may not be and let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Selah. And at evening they return, here it is again, they growl like a dog and go all around the city. They wander up and down for food and howl if they are not satisfied. But, verse 16, I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O oh my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. Wow. 
<laughs> David, tell us how you really feel about your enemies. <laughs> and this, this whole thing of God just, I mean, kill them, but don't kill them too quick. Do it slowly. Let them, and let people see. And, you know, I mean, they, they, wow, David, really? Don't even have mercy on them. Show them no mercy. Show them no kindness for their wickedness. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, um, is God going to do that? Oh yeah. Don't think for a second that David is on the wrong side of this for praying this and asking God for this. No, this, this is God's will. He's right in line with God who laughs at the, <laughs> they think they're going to get away with this? No. Is, is God, like we were talking about on Sunday in the prophecy update, uh, in the year that Hezekiah died, King Hezekiah, Isaiah, very unsettled, looked up and what did he see? He saw God sitting on the throne. And the robe just filled the temple. I mean, just this, this scene of, hey, you might be unsettled, but God is seated on the throne, completely in control. Yeah, but King Uzziah died. Good king. Yeah, but the king died. This good king died. Yeah, but God's seated on the throne. David would say, and pray in this psalm, God, do you see what they're doing? Yeah, but God's seated on the throne. And God's not only sitting on the throne, He's sitting there, He's laughing. <laughs> it's a holy laughter. I mean that in every, that came out completely wrong. Not holy laughter like, like that kind, but it's a sanctified laughter, perhaps better said. He's just laughing going, <laughs> nah. They're not going to get away with it. To me, Psalm 59 is about how the wickedness of this world should never rob us of our joy in the Lord, nor should it ever steal or rob us of our worship of the Lord. And again, lest you would think that David is disproportionately harsh in his desire for God to punish the wicked. I think verse 8 really explains why he is absolutely in line with God's will on this when he talks about God actually laughing at the wickedness. And that should bring every single one of us great comfort tonight. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? 
If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 